Hi, Ruth here. This is bonus episode one of Tiny Huge Decisions. As part of his research into surrogacy, Mossen recorded a conversation with a contact of his, Paul Morgan Bentley. Paul is a journalist and author of The Equal Parent, a book about fatherhood and parenting. He also has experience with the surrogacy process. Paul and his husband, Robin, have a young son, Solly, who was conceived with the help of a surrogate, Rachel. Over a Zoom call, Mossen and Paul talked about the shape of the relationships between surrogates, intended parents and children. How did you and Robin decide that that was the journey you wanted to go on? Yeah, it is an interesting question because, you know, some people might know straight away that that's what they want to do. We met um, just over eight years ago and I was actually thinking about it the other day, trying to remember when we first had a conversation about wanting children. It was something I definitely wanted and saw for myself in kind of a very vague way. Didn't know how that might work. I'm gay. Thought maybe I'd adopt. Thought, you know, initially kind of surrogacy was something that kind of felt like something celebrities did in America and cost way too much money. And (laughs) I, so I I didn't know how, but I, I knew I wanted to be a parent if I could. I've always loved children um, and kind of, you know, been told by family, got a big family and being told I'm good with kids and all that kind of stuff. So I, I kind of, um, I knew that I'd, I'd love to try to have children, but we kind of didn't think about it very practically for a few years. And we just got on with having a relationship and, and we um, then got married uh, after the law changed in the UK to allow gay marriage. Um, and then we started thinking kind of more practically and we just did loads of research and we looked into adoption and we looked into surrogacy. Actually, a colleague of mine at the time told me that he and his husband were expecting twins through surrogacy. So I learned about surrogacy in the UK through him initially and it kind of totally transformed the way I was thinking about it because we had been thinking about adoption. But then at the same time, through our research learning just how difficult it can be nowadays and at the same time learning about surrogacy through a friend of mine who was going through it and it just sounded so lovely and and this friend of mine and his husband were developing this really beautiful relationship um with this woman and her family and were staying there for weekends and and kind of really bonding during the pregnancy and they had done even before and so we started kind of really considering going down that route I'm really interested in what you had to say about the centre of it being friendship. My best friend, Dahlia, has has said that she's willing to have the conversation. So it's not that she said, yeah, I'm going to be a surrogate for you. It's that she said, I'm willing to discuss it. Why was that so important, the centre of the whole thing for you and Robin and your surrogate being friendship? Because of the way it works in the UK... You know, there is no legal obligation, at the moment anyway, for a woman who carries a baby, however that baby is conceived, to, you know, for her not to keep that baby. And so there's a hell of a lot of trust involved. And equally, that means the other way around. For surrogates, it can be stressful if there isn't trust there. Because typically, you know, uh, Rachel, who carried Solly, she has a husband, she has two kids. Yeah. She didn't want to have another baby. She wanted to be a surrogate. She wanted to be pregnant again. She wanted to help other people. There are kind of, there's this theoretical risk there in the UK. In practice, it's very, very rare that, that kind of, um, it doesn't go as planned. And even when it does, the, 
we kind of looked into all the family court cases and it it seemed to be that the intended parents, so not the surrogate, ended up with the baby. But still, there's a huge amount of trust. And you are asked, you've got it when you kind of take a step back and think about it, you're asking someone to put their health at risk and you're asking someone to put their lives on hold. And for, and it's not just the surrogate, primarily it's the surrogate. If she has a partner, then that partner having a pregnant partner for nine months and going through this whole thing for you and the kids being understanding about it and all those things. So it's really important that you develop this relationship where you feel like you can properly trust each other. And we didn't have any doubt in our minds when we were going through it. We completely trusted Rachel and we still do. And we're we're still really close friends. What's interesting is the difference between how we did it and how you would do it if Dahlia did want to go ahead. Yeah. Is that we didn't know Rachel before. So we we met Rachel through a surrogacy organisation and... We, they they kind of host events and an online forum where potentially you can meet someone. And it can take years and years of going to these events. And it's kind of an awkward situation. You walk into these pubs around the country. Yeah, it's like speed in, dating, right? <laughs> well, you th- you'd think it would be speed dating, but actually it's, it, it's not speed dating because sometimes you turn up and there's no surrogates there. Oh, no way. Yeah, which at first sounds mad, but actually it's because the whole organisation runs like a community. And we learned very quickly that there's huge value in going to those events, even if there's no potential of meeting someone, because you're meeting other people. You're having conversations like we are now. And after about six months of going to these events, and we became a bit obsessive about going to them. We were traveling the country, going to, you know, ones, all different towns around the country. Yeah. And Rachel was there with her two sons. We really hit it off and we got on so well with the children. So people actually take their children to these things? Oh yeah, there's loads of kids. Wow. The first one we went to, there were no active surrogates there. There was no one, no surrogates looking to meet anyone. But there were a few other gay couples and a few other straight couples as well with kids there. Okay. And it was really, it felt quite inspirational. You kind of turn, turn up and you're like, this really is possible. Look at those two guys and they've got their son and he's just like any other kid and he's just so sweet and he's just having a nice time and... He doesn't care how he was born. He, you know, has loving parents and is part of this loving community. And it, I don't know, it all felt really nice. And But the, the point I'm making is we met Rachel that way. Yeah. So one thing that we knew was that she wanted to be a surrogate, whether or not she had met us. Okay. She had made that decision completely independently. I wouldn't want to think a friend was doing it for the wrong reasons in that she was doing it because she loved me so much and wanted to help me so much, but actually she didn't really want to do it because it's so much to ask of them that she needs to be so sure that she wants to do this. You know, she wants to go through it. And that, that might not be the easiest thing to hear, actually. I'm really glad you've made that point because, and I'm not sure that I would have said what I'm about to say unless you had, but I think I still have a sense that she's potentially not doing it for the right reasons if she were to say yes. Like, I think I, what I worry, because I said to her, like, you know, we were having, we've had a few conversations about it. And one of the things that Dahlia said to me was, you would do this for me. I know you would. And I, I kind of paused. And then I thought, I mean, it's really difficult for me to answer that question, obviously, because it's not an option. But I do think I would do it for her. But that actually, in and of itself, is not a good enough reason for her to do it. And I know, and you won't know this, but I know that she hated being pregnant or, you know, the, the physical experience was not pleasant for her. You know, some some women really enjoy it. And I don't think that was... The, in fact, I know that wasn't the case for Dahlia because I was there when she was going through it. And I think that's what makes 
this even more complicated uh, because I have a sense that she thinks in her heart that it's the right thing to do, but that doesn't mean that she wants to do it. And it's it's that kind of fine distinction that makes this so complicated. And I'm I'm not saying at all that she shouldn't do it because she is an adult and knows her own mind and she has to make that decision and you have to also be comfortable with it. Mm. And you do have... It's funny because when people talk about surrogacy and the emotions women all feel, they often would assume that the toughest thing, what they would call kind of giving away a baby, must be so hard. But actually when Rachel talks about it, that I think that was probably the least hard part of it because she never saw the child as her baby. When she talks about surrogacy, that's exactly how she would describe it, that it's all about the intention. She knew straight away that this embryo being implanted into her body at the fertility clinic was, she didn't want it to be her baby. It wasn't her baby. You know, she she was looking after it for nine months and then we'd be ready to take over at that point. But what people tend to kind of not think about is all the physical stuff. So the, you know, going through... I think for us, the, when we think about what Rachel did for us, I think about being in the labour ward and seeing her going through so much pain and just thinking, I can't believe you're doing this for us. You know, I would, how are you going through so much pain for us? Or I'm thinking about the first few months when we felt really guilty because she was feeling really sick. Um, and we were kind of sending her things in the post and we were talking all the time. But still, you kind of think she's going through every day. She's feeling like crap at the moment for us. You know, because it's funny that you... You know, you use the exactly. I guess on the one hand, you say there's the quote unquote giving up the child, but um, I do I do worry about that for her. You know, because it's weird because I'm I'm simultaneously somebody who who benefits from this experience, but as her friend and as somebody who knows her so well, I worry that it's the wrong decision for her, even if it might be the right decision for me, or maybe the answer is. Actually, it can either be the right decision for both of us or the wrong decision for both of us. There's no kind of in between because if she doesn't want to do it, then there's no way it could be right for me. Yeah, we still see Rachel frequently. We And I guess at the back of our minds, we probably wondered before when she's actually with Solly, what will that look like? And will she have, will we know at the back of, in our hearts somewhere that she is kind of yearning for him or anything like that? And you know what, it... it kind of seems ludicrous now when you see them together. It's just exactly the same as any of our friends, but there is nothing maternal there. And it it's just really obvious really? when you... Yeah, and I think you, even if you kind of, you know, you look for it, there's just nothing there. And it's... She loves him, and she feels such pride in what she's done for us. But it's so obvious that she's not thinking that. And I don't know, maybe I'm biased, maybe I'm projecting that. But I really don't think I am, having spent lots of time with her since... Dahlia would naturally be one of the main people that I would go to if I were to have a child to be like, can you can you be a positive female role model in this child's life? And even that feels complicated if she were to be the surrogate. Do you know, I think it's really interesting you talked about that because people do talk about that. Um, and it's such a conceptual thing, this idea of male and female role models. Society kind of projects all these things onto men and women in terms of what we should be. And, you know, I think there is this assumption that kids with two dads would need 
a really strong female role model around them all the time because men somehow can't care or can't do those things that we say are female. But actually yeah. they're not male or female things and men absolutely have the capacity to care for children in yeah. exactly the same way as we expect women to. And I think it's really positive for children to see that men can do that. The man is not someone who just takes you to a football game or kind of... Well, I definitely wouldn't be taking my children to a football game. <laughs> exactly. So actually, when you think about it, you know, I'm sure you would do all those really caring things. We really want to show him that men, if you're a boy, that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't care or be kind or, you know, be nurturing or artistic or, you know, all these things that we have both both probably come to terms to in our, within our life with different gendered expectations on us. I guess the in the reality of having Solly, when Rachel's around, we feel absolutely no threat or hesitation or that yeah. she's his mother or anything like that. And kind of, I, I know that she doesn't see it that way either. And yeah, in reality, when you have a kid, they just, when you have nurtured that kid from when they're born... When they're hurt, they need you. When they need a cuddle, they need... You know, they don't yeah. care about what your chromosomes are. How did you decide who the the biological parent was going to be out of the both of you? So we... Um, so I am not Solly's genetic father. We decided... We made embryos with the egg donor. Um, and we ended up with six embryos that were frozen. And we both gave sperm so that... Uh, kind of half of the eggs were were um, fertilised with my sperm and half with Robin's and then we ended up with six and we decided to take all kind of decision out of it and just ask the, the fertility clinic they could list them according to their kind of what they thought was their kind of grade, the strongest what, what was the most likely to lead to, to pregnancy so we just did it like that and we were very lucky the first transfer worked um, and again this is something you can think about for hours and hours and days before you go through this process and think, you know, will I be fully content as a father if I'm not the genetic father and things like that? And again, in the daily reality of having a child, you just never think about it. And I remember hearing right. other gay dads say that and not believing them. And I'm going to be another one of those <laughs> gay dads who is just, I just can't tell you how... Li I mean, sometimes I get flashes of Robin in his face and I love it. And actually, I talk about it more than Robin does because he kind of... I don't know, he, he's, you get that question from other people, kind of who's the real dad and things like that. And it, that kind of drives you mad. But yeah, I bet it, I bet it does. Um, yeah, people kind of ask silly things and it's like, who, like, who's the real dad and things like that. But just like when we were talking earlier about how it doesn't matter what your sex is in terms of parenting a child, you know, some, at some point, some sperm did something with an egg. Now there's a child in front of you and you just love the child mm. and do anything for that child. And, and, you know, we have the most amazing bond. And I can just 100% say it doesn't matter. How do you feel about Rachel? And the reason I ask is because um, Dahlia does not want to be seen as some sort of angelic figure. And in some ways, I, I fear that if she were to say yes, I wouldn't help. But see her that way especially you know if I had a child every time I looked at the child I'd be thinking oh this is all thanks to Dahlia and in, and I kind of worry that that could also get in the way of our friendship because suddenly I feel beholden to her in some way or, or so grateful to her or indebted to her that I don't know the friendship feels lopsided so that's a very long-winded way of asking how you feel about Rachel today 
Yeah, I think this is also one of these things that you can kind of think about conceptually quite a lot before. Yeah. And the reality is, she's Rachel, she's our friend. She has this amazing side of her that she did the most altruistic, incredible thing for us. But when we're together, we just kind of laugh and joke about the same things we always do. I think actually in the reality, of course, you're hugely grateful. But you also just have independently your friendship, whatever that is with someone. And so as far as, you know, when we're all together, we just have fun together. She's not Rachel the surrogate, she's Rachel. And surrogacy is a hugely important thing that she's done. And a wonderful, amazing part of her personality. She's an incredibly giving personality. Um, yeah. But there's also lots of other parts of her life and her personality that we love just as friends. Mm. And so, you know, so Solly will grow up and, and have her as a big part of her life. And, you know, she did, he's alive because of her. Um, but hopefully he'll also just love her because she's a great person. Tiny Huge Decisions is a Chalk and Blade production for APM Studios. At Chalk and Blade, the executive producer is Ruth Barnes. The showrunner and story editor is Louise Mountain. And the producer and sound designer is Matt Nielsen, with original music by Ian Chambers. Special thanks to Jason Phipps. At APM, the executive producer is Erica Kraus. The senior production manager is Nick Ryan. And the executives in charge are Joanne Griffith, Alex Shaffert and Chandra Kavati. With thanks to Dahlia, Mossen and Matthew. And special thanks to Paul Morgan Bentley, who's head of investigations at The Times and author of The Equal Parent. <laughs>